about the Naked Twister. <laughs> Come on down. Tickets and information at WERU.org. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from the Christian Science Society of Ellsworth, presenting Spiritual Christianity That Restores Health, with a lecture by Carrie Machos, CSB, on Saturday, July 7th at 11 a.m. 39 Washington Street in Ellsworth, 479-9234-christianscience.com. Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported, nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org. It is three seconds after the hour of 10 o'clock. You're listening to WERU FM 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming on the web at WERU.org. Stay tuned for Common Ground. Pacifica, this is... Good morning, and welcome to Common Ground Radio, an hour-long discussion of local food and agriculture here in the state of Maine, brought to you by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. My name is C.J. Walk, and I am your host for today's show. Common Ground Radio is a monthly show airing on the first Friday of every month at 10 a.m. right here on WERU. So today, the topic for our show is the Maine AgriBility Program. Maine AgriBility is a nonprofit collaboration of the University of Maine Cooperative Extension, Goodwill Industries of Northern New England, and Alpha One. Maine AgriBility is part of a nationwide network of United States Department of Agriculture programs begun through the 1990 Farm Bill. The goal of the National AgriBility Project is to inform, educate, and assist farmers, fishermen, forest workers, and their families with disabilities so they continue to have successful careers in agriculture and fisheries. So today with me in the studio, I have three guests, and I'd like to take a minute to introduce each of them. Um, sitting with me is Richard Brzezowski, and Richard is the agriculture or the AgriBility Project Director and also the UMaine Cooperative Extension Food System Program Administrator. Good morning. Thanks for being here today. Thanks. Um, also, we have Lonnie Carlson, Carlson excuse me, pro, who is Project Coordinator for Maine AgriBility. Thanks for being here today. Sure. Good morning. And then we also have Shay Rolnick of Naughty Goat Soapery in Winterport. Good morning. Thanks for being here this morning, Shay. Um, so I wanted to let listeners know uh, that we will be opening up the phone lines about halfway through the show for any questions or comments, and I'll give out that number around 10.30 or so. Um, but to start off the show, I would like to come back to each of our guests and give them uh, some space to introduce themselves a little more and talk a bit about the work they do, and even if it's a little bit broader than the main AgriBility program. But, um, Dick, can we start with you? Sure, sure. Yeah, um, I serve as the project director or the, what they call the PI, the principal investigator, because this is a research project. Um, it's funded from USDA, and so we do have to keep track of uh, what we do and who we're um, um, helping mm -hmm. uh, because we're we're supposed to prove what we're doing is effective and so we, we we've been doing it for eight years and so um each year uh we 
you know, uh, have to supply reports to USDA because we don't want to waste taxpayers' money. And so uh, this is a really great uh, outreach, though, because it really helps a lot of people. Uh, when you think of farming um, in Maine and fishing and logging as well, it's, they're very physical jobs. Mm-hmm. And um, people get hurt, people's bodies wear out, and even as you age, you, you work differently because um, you don't have the strength or endurance you might have had when you were 25 or 45 even. So, um, you know, a lot of things can happen in a person's life, and uh, disabilities um, can either be chronic or can be acute. And so whether it's, you know, an injury like a, in an accident or, or something that's a disease uh, that takes a while to to have an effect on somebody. So this project has really been a neat, um, very effective and helps a lot of people across the state. Mm-hmm. I've been proud to be a part of it. That's great. Great. And Lonnie, could I turn to you and ask you a little bit about the work that you do? Sure. I'm the project coordinator for the program, and uh, my job is to uh, share information to um, educate folks about the resources that are available, mm-hmm. talk about our partnerships with between Cooperative Extension and Alpha One and Goodwill. And it's th- the, what we do is we work collaboratively. So Extension brings the agricultural expertise. Alpha One brings the body function with occupational therapists. And Goodwill helps with the rehabilitation and employment aspects. And we uh, try to share resources with folks across the, con- across the state um, with disabilities or um, family members with disabilities or farm workers, let them know that there are ways to adapt their workspace or try different tools so that they can keep working successfully. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And we'll talk all talk more about that all. But um, I want to come around to our third guest, I guess the farmer in the room. Uh, Shay, if you want to give a little bit about your, your farm in Winterport. Yeah, so I own um, Naughty Goat Soapery, mm-hmm. and uh, it is a mixed dairy herd of goats. Uh, I currently have 16 on the property. Um, and I uh, milk them and then use the milk to make goat milk soap and sell that. Um, and that is my um, primary profession. Okay. Um, and I've been, I was got, I was put in contact with AgriBility about five years ago mm-hmm. and they have been a very, very helpful resource for me. Great. All right. Well, thanks again to everyone for being here. <coughs> um, so I guess maybe I'd uh, Dick, I'm going to come back around to you just to kind of, you mentioned some of it, the program being or going for about eight years now, uh, but maybe some of that history piece, but also um, funding in the farm bill, but also kind of what maybe spurred that decision at the federal level to create this program. Yeah. Um, like you said, it started in the 1990 farm bill. So mm-hmm. about every, I, th- I think it's about every five years they try to do a farm bill. Um, you know, right now there's a new one being um, negotiated mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C. And um, But in 1990, uh, somebody with some foresight, and I believe it was Bill Field, um, Professor Bill Field from Purdue University, I think it all started, he as an ag engineer um, and in the Midwest. Um, he was meeting farmers who had been in accidents and, um, uh, you know, on farms with people that were, were missing a, a leg or an arm because of a farm accident, and they didn't want to quit. Mm-hmm. And most farmers don't want to quit anyway, no matter what their state of health is. Um, and so that can-do um, and uh, stick to um that attitude um, is in a lot of farm, farm people, um, and that's a great quality. Um, but so but Dr. Field just noticed a lot of men and women he were work, who was working with had disabilities. And he's thinking there ought to be some way that we can 
um, organ in an organized fashion help these individuals so they can keep warm without having a secondary injury. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, say um, you, you can get you can get hurt an initial injury, but then sometimes you might adapt something or take some chances, and the secondary injury could be worse than the first. So. Uh, a one big piece of uh, agribility is to try to, to help um, these individuals with disabilities stay safe mm-hmm. um, and work safely on the farm, whether it's through adaptation of equipment or or um, just a, a better uh, educational piece, the mindset that, that um, safety is essential. If you're going to have a sustainable farm, um, we, we often talk about the environment and economics of sustainability, sustainability, but farm safety is really important because if a farmer gets hurt, injured, maimed, or, or killed, usually that's the end of the farm because mm-hmm. uh, it's really an expensive proposition to be an inju- have an injury but also have somebody out of work for that many weeks or that many months or, or um, to be eliminated from the picture. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, that, that piece is really important. Okay. All right. Um, and then, Lonnie, can I come around to you again and just ask about, uh, you mentioned the, the partners, Goodwill Industries and, um, and Alpha One. And could you just say a little bit more of kind of their interaction, I guess, with the, the organizations? I'm kind of curious if it came from the federal level or those other federal uh, or nationwide yep. organizations. Yeah. So the way the program works is it has um, you're funded through the through the USDA and it comes to the land grant university in the state, and there's about 20 to 22 states that are funded based on the funding cycle. Um, so Maine is funded through the University of Maine Cooperative Extension, and then you have to have a nonprofit partner. And in Maine, we selected two nonprofit partners, so Alpha okay. One and Goodwill. Um, that way we brought, uh, you know, the trifecta of, of information to the farmers, so agriculture, body function, employment, mm-hmm. and, and how we can work with that person where they are, what, you know, wherever their limitations are, and then how to meet their goals. Mm-hmm. If it's, um, you know, if they're having a problem because of a disability in their ag production, we can call on the um, um, extensions uh, expertise if they're having a problem with disability because they mobility issue so we talked to alpha one and occupational therapists you know what can we do to um, make this accessible because of their mobility issues Mm -hmm. Um, and then goodwill has helped us working with the department of labor vocational rehabilitation and um, trying to find some assistive tools and technology so that they can meet their employment goals okay yeah all right so definitely collaborative Mm -hmm. partnership Mm -hmm. um so how um, how does someone access the resources? I guess so there, right. there was, I'm sure there's a process because there's funding. You said you had right. you had mentioned before you need to be a production farmer. You need to be. In, um, yep. So we have we have um, we interact with all people um, to be to get an on farm visit. You become a client and you need to be involved in production agriculture. Mm-hmm. But we also have technical resources where we just share information. We routinely throughout the year we um, participate, for example, at the Common Ground Fair or the Ag Trade Show or Blueberry Field Days or the Occupational Therapy Annual Conference, so a a variety of exhibits. Um, For example, we met Shay. Shay reached out to her extension, um, county extension person. I think that's how we first met. Yeah, I think so. Through Rick Kersbergen. And what they do is they they call... The, uh, the phone number, which comes directly to me, mm-hmm. or they email or connect us t- to us through the website, and I would answer their responses and just talk to them about where they are, what their goals are, what the limitations. Um, I kind of say I'm a cruise director to some extent, <laughs> trying to help people navigate where they need to be mm-hmm. um, and, and connect them to those resources. Okay. 
And when Lonnie said production agriculture, you know, you could be the farmer, um, you know, um, but also a farm worker. Um, you don't have to be the owner, operator mm -hmm. of the place. So even an employee or a family member mm -hmm. who has a disability on a farm would qualify um, okay. something to, to get some assistance. Um, okay. And we give educational and um, informational assistance, and we try to connect them to the proper resources if they need to make some kind of investment, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so does it also extend off the farm into the, the forestry as well and fisheries? Um, so, yes, uh, because, um, you know, uh, not, you know, as you look across the country, not every state's coastal, but we have a lot of fishermen <laughs> yeah. and fisherwomen in Maine and a lot of logging, um, and, and they are under the USDA, too, um, mm -hmm. as part of agriculture. We don't think of them as agriculture usually because yep. those jobs um, are pretty specific, uh, but there, those those men and women that work in those industries, um, it's a physical job, too, mm -hmm. and they can get hurt. They can get, uh, you know, whether it's a chronic disease, too. So they, they have uh, disabilities that that occur as well, and so or, um, they can get some help through agribility as well. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think that two things, can I say? Of course. <laughs> so the, the two things that I'd like to say is that this is a no-cost service. Mm -hmm. So um, we will talk and share information and resources, you know, as much as folks need. Unfortunately, we do not have the funding to help them implement the changes, but we do have a, a list of potential funding sources across the state, and we try to help people reach out to those. So um, oftentimes farming is in a rural area and they may not be aware of resources available throughout yeah. the state. So we try to help people um, connect to those resources. And, and the other thing is farmers live where they work. And so when we come to the farm, not only do we work at the, look at the farm workspace, we'll often look at their home and, mm -hmm. and access to their home or tools that maybe could be used in their home or um, in the farm space. Okay. And so it's... Okay. Picture. So not strictly work related as much as full on. It's family life. life. It's a lifestyle. It's yeah, farming's yeah. a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, then Shay, I wanted to move over to you and ask you, um, kind of how you first accessed the program as kind of a, a real life example of someone um, working with these folks. Yes. Yeah, so um, I contacted Lonnie, and um, I believe we had a phone conversation, and maybe even exchanged a couple of emails. Um, and then she and also um, a representative from Alpha One uh, came to my farm and took a look at everything that was going on. Um, I was still very early on, just starting out, but I already had some pretty significant um, challenges with what I was trying to do. I have um, a, a fibromyalgia, which is kind of a pain disorder, a nerve disorder. Um, so I have sometimes my nerves just don't work, and sometimes I, I have pain that shouldn't necessarily be there. Um, so trying to figure out how to do things like get large amounts of water to the to the goats, move large bales of hay, um, those were all challenges that I was really struggling with. Um, and it, I was amazed that by the time Lonnie and Wanda had left the farm, I already had like three or four different things that I knew I could change right then and there mm -hmm. um, that they, they came up with great ideas. So one of them was just in the wintertime, I have a hard time getting water. Um, in the summertime, it's great because you can just run a hose. But in the wintertime, bringing water out to the barn is a challenge. They came up with the idea of just put water in jugs, put it on a sled, and slide it right out to the goats. Mm -hmm. um, and I just hadn't thought of that. I was carrying water in buckets because that's what you do. Yep. Uh, so they, they look at the situation and can come up with slightly more out-of-the-box solutions sometimes. And it mm -hmm. was super easy and 
uh, very, very effective. So they, it was that kind of stuff. And, and we, you know, as, as we've worked over the years, whenever something's come up, I can, I know that I can contact them and ask them, Hey, I've got this new thing. And, and they'll see if they can come up with an idea for me. Uh huh. So not only helping with disabilities, but also seems like maybe even some work efficiencies come along Absolutely. with it. Absolutely. <laughs> and everybody's different. I mean, um, uh, there's no one size fits all because disabilities are different. People are different. And, um, you know, the size of your operation could be um, something to come into effect too. But it's a uh, every, we try to customize the approach so that when we make a farm visit, they really are the focus uh, of the, the visit. We want to make sure that we're not asking them to do something that's beyond them, mm-hmm. um, whether it's uh, money-wise or physical-wise. So we want to think about safety, health, and um, comfort for mm-hmm. that. You know, farming isn't comfortable, but we want to make it as, you know, you, you should be, um, you should be uh, working so that you don't get hurt and at least you're not in pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And we often learn from the farmers. So Shay learns from us, and then she'll find some great solutions and then share back, and then we can share with other farmers. Okay. It's amazing what you can learn and, and share. It's a great network across the country. So when there's an issue that comes up and we don't know what direction, we can just go on a listserv for AgriBility listserv, and we can put the, the situation out there and say, can you provide some resor- uh, some possibilities, some direction on where we might find this piece mm-hmm. of equipment or this? how do you adapt this so a farmer can get up on the tractor or whatever. And within minutes you'll have some feedback because uh, it's really a neat um, network of people across the country that are agriculturalists but also um, occupational therapists, physical therapists. Um, engineers. Engineers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it's pretty neat. Okay. And so is it only available in states that have land-grant universities, which I don't know the, how many that is, but um, is that where the funding comes from? Well, right through? now it's because of the limited funding. Yeah. Um, we've been asking for years to make it nationwide so every state can have a program. But if a state doesn't have a program, they can go directly to the National Agribility Program, which is based at Purdue University, mm-hmm. um, and it's been there for about eight years, too. Um, but that that changes too because of the way grants work. You can't just automatically be there for forever. So Purdue has it right now, but they'll respond to farmers and farm workers um, from any state that doesn't have a program, mm-hmm. even states with program. You can go directly to them if you want to as well. Okay. But it's nice to have a state program where people know you can you can visit them, um, you know, um, talk on the phone with them, and and uh, have it so that's uh, a lot more convenient. Yeah. Well, it's good to know in case we do have some, some listeners out there yep. today that are outside the, the, the borders of the state. Um, so I guess within the program, and once you become a client, are there commitments from the client giving back to the program? Or you appreciate the feedback, it seems, to see how things are going, new ideas? Well, there's, uh, there's, there's follow-up with the client or the farmer, um, and then it, we just meet them where they are. So for, for we've been working with Shay on and off for five years, mm-hmm. um, and I would say originally it was on, and then she's been doing her own thing and progressing, and, and as things come up, uh, she'll contact us, or um, if I have something cool that I think she might appreciate, I'll, I'll send her a message. Uh-huh. Uh, but But typically it's... We work with them. We we we, we go and do on farm visits. We make recommendations, um, but it's really up to the farmer to implement those changes. And then we work with them where they are. We we can't make the changes for the farmer, yeah. but we can certainly help them um, as they keep moving forward. Yeah. 
And it seems like if a farmer were to reach out for some assistance, they would be open to receiving that assistance. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the assistance, I, I think I just – I'm – I don't want to be gun shy, but you know the assistance is definitely information and referral support, connection. It's mm-hmm. not financial assistance. Yeah. We you know we can help them link to financial assistance, but mm-hmm. we we really often talk about simple changes, work modification, simple adaptations to tools, mm-hmm. pipe foam insulation on handles can go a long way ah. to making your life a little bit more comfortable. Um, okay, you know, or or bigger changes if they're, um, for example. Um, paralysis is an issue, so accessing equipment. Um, there is some um, technical equipment that can get somebody out of their vehicle. If it's an adaptive vehicle, they can drive with hand controls, get them out of their vehicle, and then, for example, up into a tractor okay. or accessing a skid steer. You know, how do you do that if you're in a wheelchair? How do you transfer safely? How do you mm-hmm. um, get to where you need to be? Wow. Okay. Um, Shay, can I ask you, like, what are some of the other helpful uh, processes that you've changed on your farm, just to try to get some of those real-life examples out there for there folks. There have been many of them. Um, I'd say one of the biggest ones, in addition to the water that I talked about, was um, the milking stands that I use. I have goats that range from 40 pounds up to about 130 pounds. So there's a big difference in size. Um, and I was using one standard metal milking stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and with those milking stands, they have little seats that kind of hang off the side. Um, and my challenge was that that it was hard to reach the goats um, that were smaller, but also with the seat the way that it was, I was twisting my body in order to milk. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Lonnie and Wanda recommended making, number one, a differently sized and shaped stand for the smaller goats. So I actually have two milking stands, one for large goats and one for small goats. But also we lifted up the metal stand just a little bit so that I could put a seat that would allow my legs to go underneath the milking stand when I was sitting, and then I could reach the goat without having to twist my back. Mm -hmm. That made a huge difference as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So just, you know, and all that that took was a couple of cinder blocks and a wooden stool. You know, it it didn't, I didn't need money for that. I just needed ideas. Uh, So that was a big one for me. Um, Also in my soap making studio, I was having difficulty working on a countertop surface because I am short um, and I'm oftentimes trying to lift, you know, 35 pound jugs of oil to pour them into a pot. And that was just too high up for me. So they recommended having some working surfaces that were lower for those tasks. Mm -hmm. uh, And that has made all the difference. So I actually got a, a used coffee table at a yard sale and I now pour oils on that used coffee table and that took all of the strain off of my shoulders and neck that I was that I was really struggling with before. So um, you know, as as a couple of examples, those those are the ones that I noticed make the biggest difference every day. Yeah. So that's what OTs come into play because they can come and watch somebody perform a task, whether it's milking or OTs or occupational therapists. Yeah, yeah. Occupational therapists. They can come and watch task um, being performed to see what you're having trouble with and even just interviewing then what mm-hmm. wh- when do you feel uncomfortable or when you're in pain um, but just to watch what happens um, and what tools you're using um, they, they can then make some uh, recommendations of some changes mm-hmm. and, and oftentimes the farmers don't realize what they're doing mm-hmm. is, is causing the pain so helping them to recognize the way they're doing their tasks or where they're standing at a workstation or the route they're traveling, or their footwear, footwear, you know, things like that that the OT really picks up on. So that was, that's part of the farm visit then. They'll mm-hmm. actually 
be there with you while you're milking your goats and watch. And, and, exactly. and they, they may even ask what happens in other seasons because yeah. not yeah. every season on a farm is the same when it comes to – well, milking might be similar, but there may be some other things that happen in the winter that don't happen in the summer. Right. Yeah. The hauling the water piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then another thing that they look at in, in addition to the physical dif- disabilities are the um, – mental or emotional or developmental disabilities. I also have post-traumatic stress disorder, which is an anxiety disorder. One of the things that I was really struggling with is my barn is about 150 feet from my house, and it's not visible from the spaces that we live in. Like, I can't just watch the barn from the living room. Um, And so I was having a lot of challenges with any time that I heard anything strange going on Mm. out there, I was running out to see what was going on constantly. And it was really disruptive to my day. And it was also keeping my anxiety kind of on a on an alert. Um, So they recommended um, putting at first I had just an audio baby monitor out there so that I would have a better set of ears. And I had the receiver in the in the house so I could hear I now have um, an eight camera security system set up so that I can see inside and around the barn. I can see the pastures. I can see pretty much everything that's going on just by looking at the monitors in my living room. Mm -hmm. And that has made a huge difference in my constant um, supervision anxiety. I'm able to just glance at the monitors now and know that everybody's fine and I don't have to go out and check on everybody and make sure everybody's counted for. Mm -hmm. Um, So they, they can also look at basically anywhere that your disabilities are being challenged or, or that you're struggling mm-hmm. um, and, and come up with ideas for you. Yeah, so not just the physical pieces as yes. well. Okay. Though those cameras might be handy during kidding season too. Yeah. Huh? Oh, my gosh, the middle of the night checks. <laughs> I just have to wake yeah. up, look over at the monitor, yeah. and go back to bed. I don't okay. have to put on the boots. Can you pan them around? And get oh, all gosh. Angles? You can get cameras that do that. I have all the angles just because I have multiple cameras. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, it makes a big difference during kidding season. Yeah. yeah, the technology today is so, I mean, it's fairly um, doable. Um, you know, they're not too expensive. The mm-hmm. cameras, you know, are can be the initial cost may be uh, seemingly large, but when you think it's they're going to last me several years, right. mm-hmm. I can spread that cost and I can use it for lots of different reasons. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's amazing what you can do with a smartphone. So you say you have an old smartphone that you don't use anymore with with uh, for service, but you can actually put it out in your barn as a camera and hook it to your more current phone. I mean, it's amazing what you can. Sort of rig up. Uh, oh, 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 we dealt with a, a fellow who's a military veteran, and he has a beef herd, but he has a, the herd is away from his house probably three or four miles, and he winters them there. But he has a camera there that he can um, tune in with his smartphone and see whether there's enough hay there, if any, if any, uh, if everybody's moving about. Yeah. Uh, so he doesn't have to make that trip every day, and. He's got a disability as well, and so that that really helps him to monitor the herd without being there. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me just take a minute to say, let our listeners know that you are tuned in to Common Ground Radio, and today we're talking about the Maine Agribility Program, and my guests in the studio are Dick Brzezowski and Lonnie Carlson from the Maine Agribility uh, Project, as well as Shay Rolnick from Naughty Goat Sopery uh, in Winterport. So I was curious, um, I'd like to hear the examples. Are there some other examples? I don't know where the confidentiality <laughs> line is. Well, um, we won't, but in terms we of, won't share people's names, yeah. but um, we could get but some examples. But in terms of, of some just some other interesting kind of uh, uh, solutions to some of those challenges. 
so I'll, I'll talk about some of the stories that we've shared on the website, so I know I'm good. <laughs> um, so, for example, um, we, we talk about disabilities, and they're not all physical ailments. They could be um, developmental disabilities. So we work with, um, in the first part of the project, we worked with a family with a, a son with autism, and um, and sh- I think Jane was one of the ag- one of the agribility members at the time, um, and so the goal with with her son was, what do we need to do to, so that he has a, a, a positive role with the farm, long term employment, and a place, um, and how can he be safe on the farm? So for him, it was um, finding he uses a, a mule or a. Four-wheeler. Four-wheeler, thank oh, you. Yeah. Well, it's except side-by-side. Yeah. So he doesn't have a driver's license, but how can he access the farm? So he has a, a four-wheeler or a UTV for, for mobility and accessibility. He has uh, a radio on, and I think there's two other folks on the farm that have the radio also, so he's always able to communicate, and it's on a harness, so it's hands-free, so he can do his work. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, has specific tasks that he does, and then uh, once he sees something and learns something, it's there forever. And so for, for him, it's setting up the um, the order of operations, essentially, for his tasks. And he's a he's a valuable member of the, the farm family. And mm-hmm. um, so and, and he's successful. He's now in living independently on the farm. They set up some, some more. So it's all about safety and, and keeping him successful with mm-hmm. farming. Yeah, well, that seems to be a common um, story. A lot of parents with disabled children want um, to make sure that they have a the, that individual has a path to some employment and some security when they become adults. Mm-hmm. And so we've we've been working with people that that are um, you know the parents of disabled children so that they can uh, you know become farmers mm-hmm. or or be a, a, an important employee on the farm. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 pretty when you think about it if your child was disabled you want to make sure that they had a a safe place when you're gone. Certainly. So that was what they're looking for as future of the future of the f- person. And probably also just day to day with the tasks of working on a farm yeah. not being able to be present and knowing that 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 child would be in a safe a safe place. Yeah. But also, you know, farming is uh, you know, you're self-employed. Um, a lot of times, if you're um, if you're the farmer, but also um, it's it's um, you sort of you can set your own schedule. You know, on a dairy farm, you get a milk, so <laughs> the cows sort of set your schedule. But a lot of things on a regular farm, you can you can do things when when you can, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the weather and the temperature and those. There's a lot of other things that come into play, but usually you can you can say. I, I got to get this done today, and I can do it at ten o'clock, or I can do it at two o'clock, or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, an, another farmer that we worked with was uh, fairly new to farming, but the disability was a progressive disability, and so meeting with her helped her to better understand disability resources and how to uh, integrate that into what she needed to do at the farm, mm-hmm. and um, and it's amazing. So, not only was she when we first met her, she was. I think she was walking, and, and we worked with her. She was in a power chair. So, okay, how can she access – how can she check traps at the orchard? So power chairs lift up. You mm-hmm. know, what um, – finding the right type of uh, – well, finding the right type of power chair that's going to go into a pasture. So educating perhaps some uh, dealers about what, what needs are. There's a bunch of um, – Resources and commercial sales folks that have track chairs. Um, how, how do you find the right tool for your disability in the environment of a farm? Mm-hmm. Um, so 
educating folks about that is an important thing. And the track chairs may be new to some people listening today. You know, most oh. people think of a wheelchair as, you know, your wheels. But if you're a, a hunter or a fisherman or, or an outdoorsman, they make special chairs with tracks on them. So just like a, a, a tank, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But they're small and you fit in them. And, but farmers can use those same things to get out in the field or get in the barn. And they're, you know, sometimes wheels are limiting where you can go. But mm-hmm. a track, you can just go on any kind of terrain. Yeah, so, various terrain. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, well, I guess I'll, in terms of numbers, I'm curious how many, you, for, the, for the grant, you probably have to track a lot of numbers, but uh, how many different farms or clients would you say that you have in the state? Um, you have a ballpark number? So, um, well, let's see. So we, what we did was we looked at the number of farmers in Maine and applied disability statistics. So we estimated about 5,700 farmers farm workers, family members in Maine would be considered disabled. Um, So far, we've had over um, 100 farm clients where we actually go on the farm and make recommendations in the last eight years. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of technical resources, sharing information, ideas, and then letting them go with it, I I think it's over 300 to date. Uh I should know that number. So when when Lonnie mentioned the 5,700 disabled farm worker type, farm or farm worker, um, in in the general population, they figure, what, 20-something percent, 22 percent of the – 16 or 17. Okay. In Maine. Mm -hmm. Okay, in Maine. So 16 or 70 percent of the general population has a disability. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And so we figured with 8,000 farms, there's probably 30 to 35,000 Farmer, mm-hmm. farmer workers, you know, employees and stuff. Yeah. So we figured from that we can yeah. deduce that there's that many people that have disabilities. Not everyone with a disability is going to call and say, "Hey, I need some help." They're mm-hmm. they're making it fine. Like I was a county agent in Cumberland County for 28 years, and I worked with farmers who were stroke victims who were missing a leg, and I never thought of them as disabled. They were just they were still farming, and they were farmers, and so I helped them that. But um, so there are people that are doing fine without agribility, but agribility is here to help mm-hmm. um, and to provide because we can give that um, uh, information that might take the step to another, um, you know, to improvements on the farm so they're safer and um, product still remain productive. Because mm-hmm. most people want to be productive. Yep. I mean, they, they want to live a life that's full and have a quality of life that's um, rewarding, you know, that they're with their family or with their animals or on the land. So. Yeah. And most farmers I know want to be a little independent as well. Yes, so. yeah. Independence <laughs> is a streak that's good. Yes. When you think about it, that characteristic is really important. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes dependency um, on information or on somebody giving an idea, um, that's that's fine too. Yeah. Okay. When, when I'm recommending agribility to other farmers, I usually say that, you know, Oftentimes we want to take steps on our farm to make it bigger, better, easier, whatever, um, and but we just don't know where the steps are. Agribility helps you find the steps, yeah. um, and that's that's really um, a key point in trying to figure out how to farm with a disability is just knowing where to where to put your feet, where to step. Yeah. Okay. And we don't want the farmers to be dependent on us. Yeah. Um, we want them to be independent, but make the moves that they need to make to to be successful. Okay. Well, let's, um, 
I think we're about halfway through the show, so I think we would open up the phone lines here for, to listeners for any uh, comments or questions. And that toll-free number to call in is one 625 9378 And we welcome any comments or questions. Um, in terms of resources uh, for the AgriBility program, you had mentioned that you guys don't provide funding, um, but are there some avenues that farmers can be directed to to help them gain some funding if they needed some type of maybe a capital improvement or those pieces of equipment, I imagine, would be um, would have a good expense. Yeah, to them. yeah. Um, we just recently put together a, a list. We had sort of an informal list, but we put together a list, and it'll be out of our website soon. Lonnie, do you want to talk about it? Yes. Uh, so we developed a list of potential uh, potential funding sources for ag producers in Maine. So it can be used by anybody um, with limitations or not. But what we what we did was we broke the list down into charitable organizations, private organizations, nonprofits, and government. And it's sort of just a roadmap for somebody to look at. Um, it starts with family and friends. When you're looking for funding, you know, we don't want to overlook that. It could be um, a local community. Um, it could be your private company. So say you need an adaptation to your tractor. Can mm -hmm. you, you know, your local equipment dealer, could they help you out? Um, um, credit organizations, banks. Um, the other thing would be... Um, we talk about Slow Money Maine. If it's a larger um, investment that you're looking at, um, we talk about they have, um, what are they called, investment group, an investment group through there, mm -hmm. No Small Potatoes. Um, and then through Alpha One, there's also different grant and loan programs that Alpha One offers that Shay was able to use. There's often a long waiting list, mm -hmm. but it's it's doable, and it can be part of your planning process. Um, some of the other ones are disability-specific. So if you're new to a disability or limitation, do they understand that, you know, there's an MS society out there? What, what do they have for particular funding? I'm trying to look through my list. Um, some of the other ones are community action programs. Um, if if it's agriculture related, there's SARE for, for different ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, Maine Department of Ag has some interesting information. I'm just looking through my list. And then the USDA, who we're funded through, also has a Farm Service Agency and NRCS. And they also have loan programs um, mm -hmm. and grant programs that are available. So trying to help people navigate those resources and what fits for them. Okay. And Shay, you were able to access some resources. Can I ask you about that? Yes. Um, so I was able to apply back when I first started working with AgriBility and Alpha One. I was able to apply for a grant that does have a very long waiting, waiting list, and it just recently came through. Um, so I got a grant that helped to pay for um, what is becoming my shed quarters. It's going to be my production space with a little farm stand there for people to come and buy my soap. Mm -hmm. um, but that will also get my business out of my house. You know, it, it's going to put it into a separate building so that I can kind of have a little bit more of a work-life separation, which will help in many ways. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and also having the, the retail area for people to come to the farm. They'll be able to come to the farm, meet the goats, give them treats, all of that stuff, and then come and buy some soap while they're there. Mm -hmm. okay. And that was called the Title Seven <clears throat> Part B Grant Program through Alpha One. Okay. <laughs> yep. All right. Great. Um, and then in terms of, I guess, the long-term picture funding for the program uh, tied to the farm bill. Seems like some things can be rather tenuous at times when negotiations are happening. Um, yeah, and we, we um, have another year um, 
that are, are funded for. We just put in a, a proposal to be funded for another four years. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens there. And um, this this next year, our focus is going to be on working with military veterans who are into farming or want to be farming um, in here in Maine, as well as uh, transitioning youth. Um, sort of related to what I was talking before, that a lot of individuals 14 to 22 years of age you know, they're finishing high school or um, secondary school of, or college, and um, they may have a developmental disability, and they need to uh, build some skills so they can get a job. And so we're going to – we have a program where we um, um, help them explore agriculture as a possible um, job opportunity okay. and then maybe get jobs on farms to try it out. And there's a lot of farmers that would love, you know, they, a lot of people that we've talked to that are farming said we would be open to having somebody come on the farm to try out as like a, a job, uh, whether it's, most of the time it's a part-time thing. Okay. So. Well, it looks like we have a caller. We have Sam from Hancock on the line. If you'd like to go ahead with your comment or question, Sam. Hi, Ken. Yes, you're on, Sam. Thank you. All right. Uh now, this money, where does it come from all over the place, or is it uh, tax money, or what is it? The way the agribility program is funded, is that your question? Yeah. Initially, the, the funding comes, like, to the University of Maine from the USDA. It's specifically earmarked for agribility, so helping farmers with disabilities keep farming. So that's where yeah. that's where our staff gets paid um, that are working on this project. Um, we talked about other funds, like when we go to a farm and that farmer needs some um, to make some improvements or di- changes to the farm, whether it's building a ramp to the um, to the animals or to the house or whatever. Um, then there would be other um, sources for that, and typically that could be like a vocational rehabilitation here in Maine gets funding uh, to provide those kind of funds. But that's through an application process that that person would do that. Okay. You don't you know, now. Do you screen these guys to make sure they're not, you know, trying to pull something? So, so when we work with farmers, um, it's all um, self-disclosed in terms of their limitations or disabilities. So, is that what you're talking about, or in terms of financial? Yeah, I, I, I got a neighbor there that I keep a pretty good eye on him, and uh, I've been told that he gets a farm check, and he, you know, he's got a couple tractors. And uh, he bought this old truck, and he told the guy he bought the truck off he was waiting for his farm check to come in. Now, the guy don't work, and I can't see he's growing anything. There's no animals, maybe some chickens, but they're not selling anything. So how, how do I know he's just pulling a welfare scam? I'm not sure how to answer that one for you, Sam, but it seems that's like... Hard, that's a hard one, ain't it? I'm, yeah. Yeah, it seems yeah. like that's a, a bigger question, but kind of outside the uh, the main agribility program. So, yeah, we, so is the safeguard so that don't happen? That, you know, say, hey, I'm a farmer, send me a check. Oh, the, yeah, and we don't. I mean, we don't deal with that anyway because we don't have the funds to give to farmers, so we we don't have that. But we we work real, directly with the farmer in providing information, um, and we do make the farm business. So we're no, we're not. They're not scamming us. When they they call us, we we screen it to make sure that they are either from a farm or on a farm or working on a farm, and they do need assistance when it comes to information. Yeah, do they have, do they have to have a product to sell? How do you? Uh, usually, uh, USDA defines a farm as if you gross a thousand dollars a year in product. 
Um, yep. So that doesn't yep. mean that doesn't make you very big. I mean, you can you can have a very small operation, but um, that's what they considered as a farm. You know, um, how they define a farm from USDA point of view. But you know, we can go. Uh, we, we can make that decision pretty easily by by talking on the phone with them first, and then making that initial visit. Uh, some yeah. people want to be farmers, and they have a disability. We'll be glad to help them because sometimes it's, you know, they're they're looking for something uh, as a way to um, make a living. And so, if somebody with a disability wants to farm um, and start off small, um, we can help them figure out what what direction, what enterprise to go into that might be. Um, uh, you know, the most suiting for that person and mm-hmm. their interest and their abilities. Okay. Yeah, okay. I just, uh, you know, like I said, I've been looking for this, looking at this guy for years. I just kind of smelled a rat there. Uh-huh. Know. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Thank um, you, Sam. Thanks, Sam, for giving the call. We're going to free up the lines to get some other callers in, but we appreciate your calling. And, um, and again, for other callers that want to call in, the number is one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight, and we are talking about the Maine Agribility Program here today. Um, you can also call the local number at four six nine zero five hundred, area code two zero seven, but four six nine zero five hundred, um, and then. I wanted to jump back, uh, Dick, right before we had that phone call. You started talking about the transitioning youth piece. Yeah. And we just get so, back on um, that track. There's a lot of uh, students, you know, uh, when you think about 14 years of age, those are teenagers, and they a lot of times they don't know what they want to do with their life. But if you have a disability, it's even more of a um, – it's a, a lot of on your shoulders to figure out. Everybody's asking me, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So this project is um, – um, to uh, expose them to some um, agricultural opportunities because labor is always an issue on farms and farmers appreciate um, people showing interest in farming. Um, And I think, you know, those individuals, 14 to 22 years of age, so we're going to have a way for them to take some tours of some farms, see what it's like on a farm, Mm -hmm. um, even to do some um, job shadowing um, just to see if that's appropriate because they may say, I don't like the smell or I don't like the way it looks or I don't like – but. But sometimes, you know, some people might not know that that's uh, they have a knack for that, working with animals, so to mm-hmm. speak. Uh, for as an instant, for instance, um, some people are good with animals and other people not so good. But if you find out that man, I I like being around goats, or I like being around sheep, or cattle, or horses, um, and I wouldn't mind feeding them, or brushing them, or or cleaning out the pens. Mm-hmm. That that could be an opportunity for that person because. Um, what we want to do is help them build their skills, build a portfolio. I I know how to um, clean up after milking. I know how to change the oil in a tractor. I know how to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, build all those skills so that bit by bit they can gain some some great um, skills but also feel like, I'm I'm productive. I can do this. I can get a job doing this. Mm-hmm. And th- and there's also the the business aspect of the farming. They could be doing the farm at mar- farmers market sales. They could yes. be doing the equipment repairs. So it's finding talking to these youth and seeing what their interests are and if there's an application on the farm or a farm type environment. Um, so it's it's educating them and educating farmers of, of these this potential mm-hmm. source. So. One of the things that we've been working on for a few years is um, farmer skill and knowledge list. Um, so, like, we have some for, like, uh, tree fruit growers. We've got a, a, a list of things that farmers that are tree fruit growers 
ought to know how to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with sheep and goat and swine and beef and tractor operation. We've got lists um, so that um, they're built for farmers, but it could be easily um, transitioned to farm workers too. Okay. So a farmer may say, I want you to know how to do this yeah. group yeah. of task. Like some qualifications on a job description in a way or <laughs> make sure you can get the job done. Um, and how about in, you have, we have mentioned some about uh, beginning farmers. Maybe someone has had some type of change disability that's kind of changed the route and thinking that maybe farming would be a way that would be suited to their to their lives. Are there, have you come across some of those situations? And then I would wonder if, I think I've seen Maine AgriBilly listed in the larger Beginning Farmer right. Resource Network as yeah. well, correct? Yes, we're, so we're part of that Beginning Farmer Resource Network. So it's it's a great connection for anybody to check it out. It The, the website meets you where you are in the process. So if a farmer calls me with a dis, uh, if a person calls me and says, I think that, you know, I can't work under um, fluorescent lights, I can't work in an office, I really want to try working outside, then I can say, okay, you know, are, do you have property? Do you know what you're interested in? Um, where are you in, in the farming mm-hmm. aspect or role? And so I can rely on on the partners in, in the Beginning Farmer Resource Network to mm-hmm. say, okay, if you're looking for land acquisition, you can talk to Farmland Trust or... Land for good. Land for good. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, beginner farmers can be any age. They can be yes. teenagers, like we talked before, yes. or they could be retirees. Yes. Or somebody midlife, um, because uh, uh, or coming out of out of the military. You know, mm-hmm. they're forty five yeah. years old, maybe, and looking for something um, yeah. to mm-hmm. uh, continue a career or change a career. So. And, and veterans, we work with a lot of veterans, so they may be coming from post nine eleven, so they might have some physical limitations or um, more. Uh, cognitive or, or emotional limitations. So they need to be working in a non-traditional workspace, but they have their retirement, so they have the finances to um, maybe have a piece of land already. So what do they need to help them figure out mm-hmm. how they're going to farm successfully and okay. their issues? Okay. So how do you, um, in terms of the educational piece, I'm curious how we're doing some of it today, but that kind of outreach to get the word out there. I know that... Um, Originally, we had scheduled you folks to come in over the winter, and we were snowed out that day. Uh, but there was a conference, a national conference, that occurred. Mm-hmm. Could you take a minute. Yeah, to main host of the national, what they call the National Training Workshop, the okay. NTW for short. But it's um, it's a national conference held every year um, for agribility staff and clients. And this year was in Portland in uh, March nineteen to twenty two, mm-hmm. and um, people. Uh, all came to Maine uh, to be a part of that conference. There was uh, presentations and a whole day of farm tours. Um, we had four different types of uh, four different tours going out mm-hmm. in different parts of the state. Um, but they were, um, I would say, I think there was a 200, 250 people came. So it's yes. a fairly small conference when you think about conferences, but 250 people is a lot of people. And about 70 of those people were uh, disabled farmers. Mm-hmm. So it's a great place for them to come to network with other men and women um, who are up against the same type of um, challenges as they are. Mm-hmm. So that, well, I heard so many comments from the farmers saying, this, this has been wonderful because I got, I got so many great ideas from um, that farmer from Kansas or that farmer yeah. from New York. or what, I mean, it was really pretty neat. And also just the workshops are chock full of information. I, I attended a handful of them, and my goodness, I, I left with so many ideas and so many um, directions that I was trying to figure out which which one can I implement first, you know? Um, so, yeah, the the 
wealth of information and the quality of the information was also fantastic. The people get energized, I think, when you, know, when you go to a conference Absolutely. like that. You you go home with, man, i got to try that out. Or you have you make some connections and you call back later and say, well, tell me more about that project you're working on or how you adapted that piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. So, And that was really pretty neat for Maine to do that. We, you know, Like I said, we've been doing this, for, had the project for eight years, and we've, we've, we've sort of had it in the back of our mind we should host sometime, but it's a lot of work. And Lonnie uh, deserves a lot of credit because she did so much of the um, – the organizations statewide. We had people, our partners, um, uh, that our national partners um, is also Goodwill Finger Lakes out of New York, but they were the ones that sort of coordinated the whole conference. So they were the ones in charge, but they really depended on Lonnie for all the on-ground stuff. It was a great event, mm-hmm. and and our farm tours um, were able to cover oyster farming on the coast and Wolfneck nice. Farm for a dairy farm, um, Maine Gulf of Maine Gulf of Maine Research Institute, all the way to Pie Tree Orchard in Sweden and Ben Hartwell. I well, we had yeah we went to uh, four different farms that were veteran owned, yeah. mm-hmm. and so that was it was the theme was just for veterans. Um, we were able to visit some client farms in Peru and uh, Oxford County, Western Maine. It was neat. It was. It's really great for folks to um, see what other people are doing to succeed. And and I, I use the word limitations as opposed to disability because people don't self-identify as being disabled, mm-hmm. and we're all have some sort of limitation. We're all getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and aging and and so how learning from other people how they can succeed and okay. and yeah it's great and then is there a in terms of maybe aging and just elderly is there a kind of a population there that is looking to oh, for sure I want to keep on gardening <laughs> but I can't crawl around on my knees yeah. anymore yeah and we do we've served a lot of people that are um, uh, gardeners because the, they you know they're not officially commercial farmers but. Again, we provide information, and yep. some of that stuff is very applicable, applicable to um, gardeners. Yep. Our, um, our Goodwill person, Ellen Gibson, does uh, talks to garden groups mm-hmm. um, called Gardening as We Age. So just introducing some different work modification, work techniques, stretches, changing mm-hmm. equipment, um, simple changes so that you can keep doing what you're enjoying with, with the gardening. And I think I've seen on the Mothka grounds in Unity yeah. some raised beds that were quite raised yeah, and, and ex- higher up and yeah, accessible. Accessible gardens. Uh, we, we built those over the years just to show people that if you are in a wheelchair or if you can't stoop down, there's ways to garden and still you can grow mm-hmm. some of your own food. And gardening is therapeutic too. Um, yes. As a matter of fact, I think you can major in horticulture therapy at some mm-hmm. institutions around the country. And, um, you know, when you think about um, uh, people with disabilities if you can if you can maintain or do some things boy you'll feel a lot better about yourself yeah yeah definitely you also asked about um people who are who have had changes and are just starting to farm Mm -hmm. um one of the things that i discovered i was very isolated socially um because of some health changes and starting off with farming getting into the farming community um and especially making you know networking and finding different um different resources and different communities to work with I now have kind of a, a community that I didn't have before. I have a social life that I didn't have before, uh-huh. um, and that is because of farming. So if there are people that are disabled or that are really struggling that are feeling isolated, this is one potential way to take some steps that you can maybe end up with um, with a much more rich life than you had before. Mm-hmm. And being able Thanks to find you. people with some similar situations yes, and, absolutely. And, su- and support that way. 
Absolutely. Chickens were your, your gateway. My right? gateway was <laughs> six chickens. I started with six chickens, and they went all downhill from there. <laughs> and now you're overrun with, with goats. With goats. Okay. And happy. And happy as can be. Yeah. Um, well, we are getting down into the last few minutes of the show. Um, so I just wanted to ask, in terms of the main agribility program, uh, if someone is listening and wants to get in touch, what is the best contact info that they could um, get a hold of you, Lani? I guess would be the first step. Yep. So they can uh, they can reach us on the website through umaine.edu slash agribility, A-G-R-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y. I think agriculture and ability. Mm-hmm. Um, or they can uh, email me at maine.agribility at maine.edu, or they can call. 207 Okay. Yeah, if you just search uh, <laughs> agribility online, yep. but again, you got to figure out how do you spell agribility because yeah. it can sound differently. But yeah. think about ability. Yeah. Um, yep. We're not thinking about disabilities. We're thinking about abilities. So it's A-G-R ability. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And put Maine in there, you'll come to us. We'll get right to you. <laughs> yeah. So your, your face is on the website there, I'm sure. Yeah, actually, now you will. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then, Shay, I wanted to ask you if, you know, you could give a little um, information for your farm in Winterport. Um, if people were looking to maybe contact you if they were nearby and in a similar situation, is, Absolutely. That, is that welcoming to share? Absolutely. Um, I, you can always go to my website, which is com, and it's spelled K-N-O-T-T-Y because we like puns at our farm. <laughs> so K-N-O-T-T-Y-G-O-A-T. S-O-A-P-E-R-Y. Um, and you can also find us on Facebook very easily. And I'm constantly on Facebook. So if you message me there, you'll get a fast response. You're one of the quick replies. I am. There. Okay. Um, and your farm is in Winterport. In Winterport, yep. And we will be open to the public with uh, set hours, hopefully within the month. Okay. Do you sell online, too? I do sell on that website. There's an online store. So. And um, you can actually also order uh, with local pickup and not have to pay shipping fees. All right. Well, we have come right to the end. Um, In the last couple minutes here, we've been talking about the Maine Agribility Program. uh, And my guests today have been Dick Brzezowski, who is the project director for Maine Agribility, and also the UMaine Cooperative Extension Food System Program Administrator. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. Um, And Lonnie Carlson, who is the project coordinator for Maine Agribility. And I appreciate you coming into the studio as well. Thanks for having us. And Shay Rolnick of the Naughty Goat Soapery, K-N Naughty with a K, <laughs> Soapery in Winterport. Um, really appreciate you folks coming in and, and talking Thank you so on much. the radio today. And I would like to continue the, the thanks to John Greenman for engineering the show today. Well, um, Amy's on break, I guess. But you have been tuned in to Common Ground Radio, and I'm your host, C.J. Walk. Uh, Common Grounds brought to you by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association and can be heard here at 10 a.m. on the first Friday of every month. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond.